Welcome to another edition of the Dewan Marrero Podcast. I'm your host, Dewan Marrero. Joining me this week is a very influential brother. He is the athletic director for the powerhouse of my alma mater, Bowman Academy, the one and only Arthur Haggard. Pleasure to finally have you join me on the podcast, sir. How you feeling? I'm feeling great. Uh, Dewan, it is a privilege and an honor uh, to be sitting uh, before you today. Uh, I just hold you in such high regards. So proud of you, seeing how you matured and grown and giving me this opportunity to be on your podcast. So nah. it's definitely a privilege. I'm feeling good. We won our first game yesterday against Bishop Noel Academy, which is a fine basketball program. But I want to say kudos to you, Dewan, for having me on the show today. Very proud of you. Uh, I think you're a very fine young man and excited about the future and the vision of the Obama Leadership Academy. No, I'm, I'm genuinely thankful and, and prideful, Hag. Uh, I remember when I used to walk the halls around freshmen, you used to be in your suit <laughs> and, you, you know, respectfully, Mr. Glass be like, Morero, you got to go to class. Right. But you talk to me in a, in, a, in a tone where you like, hey, man, this is why you got to go to class. Absolutely. <laughs> and, and that's when my respect for you grew because you didn't try to use your authority over me. Right. And that's something I think I've, I've always had that respect for you growing up because I'd be yeah. like, Hag never gave me no problems. I appreciate <laughs> him. And um, you broke it down on why I should do this yeah. in, in the long term. Mm-hmm. And, and so thank you for that. Uh, no problem. I just feel, uh, I'm going to go, I'm going to say Rico. Uh, <laughs> yeah. I like to be professional, but uh, I, like, I uh, want it to be very personal too. And uh, I'm a very genuine, sincere guy, and I don't want this just for TV. So for sure. So I'm going to refer to you as uh, Rico. But for me, I was always taught to always leave a man with his dignity, dignity and his respect. And uh, the same thing a young man wants is the same thing an old man wants. And if we can't respect one another, then there's a problem. And I think everybody's worthy of respect. And uh, for me, it was just giving back what was given to me because somebody reached out to me and uh, gave me an opportunity to play uh, athletic football, basketball, and play baseball. And had it been not for Henry Blackburn, who's still around the program today, uh, coaching uh, the football program, I probably would be somewhere other than Bowman Academy. But I just thank God for mentors, and I thank God for putting me in a position to be a part of your life, Rico, man. But, you know, what? seeing you and how you've grown over the years, it just makes me proud that I've even graced your presence. So uh, praises to you, praises to God for allowing me to be a witness and being able to speak into your life. So I appreciate it. No, I, I appreciate you, Hag. Like I said, um, those things that it's 2020 now and it's 2009 yeah. so my memory doesn't go away because right. obviously I was basically born and raised here in Bowman going through middle school and graduating right. so I knew all the the people who worked here the new people who came in here so that was just a genuine respect that I have for you Hag and I know a lot of people are wondering like well who is Arthur Hag right. and so if you just give an insight about who is right. Hag I know well, I really appreciate uh, it. It's more than a cliche. I'm just another young man from Gary, Indiana. I uh, grew up in Glen Park, attended uh, Carver Elementary School, then went from Carver to Bailey, played uh, middle school athletics, played high school athletics, basketball, football, ran track, and uh, was afforded the opportunity to go 
to a historically black college, Knoxville College in Tennessee, and continue my um, football career. Um, prior to playing at Knoxville College, I was the fifth most recruited player in the state of Indiana in 1991. Uh, Ralph Everman Award winner for the North-South All-Star Game. But that's the accolades, but I'm more than just an af uh, athletic director, uh, af a former athlete, I'm also a dad, and I think that's what I'm most proud of. I have three beautiful children, a wonderful wife. Um, my son went to Wilberforce University and went on to excel in basketball. I have a daughter that run track. I play volleyball and also uh, basketball. And it's also exceptionally a great student. She has a 3.9 GPA and I have another daughter by the name of Hope who plays volleyball and basketball. But I think uh, more so than anything, I enjoy being a dad. I enjoy giving back to my community and imparting wisdom and encouraging young people to be the best that they can be. So uh, I think that's what my purpose here on earth, but I'm just another kid from Gary, Indiana. There you go. Very humble. And yeah. I'm just feeling good in the moment, uh, walking in my purpose and doing what God called me to do, just giving back to my community and young people. It's, uh, you mentioned the variety of sports that you did. Talk about how you had to balance that uh, <laughs> back in college. And not to mention, you didn't have social media. No, so no. a lot of people, it's tough for them to balance because they playing all these different sports and got to study. And then you got the, the phone in your hand trying to balance. <laughs> but you didn't have that. So how did you balance all of that? Uh, well, I'll, I'll say this. I had a five foot three mother okay. who's half Creole, <laughs> half African American. And. Uh, my dad, um, while he was more so a disciplinarian, my mom was well-rounded, uh, highly educated, and she explained to me at an early age that it would be no college if I didn't have academics. And then I had some great high school coaches who saw my potential and stayed on me from start to finish and explained to me that I could be a Division One football player if I took care of my academics and then I had a lot of good teachers along the way who really saw me for who I was, uh, seen the talent that I had and wanted me to see wanted me to reach my highest potential. But uh getting to your question, it was tough. I was like every high school kid. Mm -hmm. I love the girls. Sure. I wanted to play ball more so than study. And again I just had positive people just reinforcing things in my life and was willing to give up some time so that I could be the best person that I could be. And um, I remember when I went to college and uh, one of the classes I had to take at Knoxville College was New Testament and I actually failed. And uh, it prevented me from pledging Omega Psi Phi that my first year and so I had to go back and repeat my pledge process over now that I'm in college. So I had a young man uh, a professor, I should say. And um, on my work study was working in the weight room. I'm okay. like getting money for free and working study. There you go. Doing my work study and uh, lifting weights in the process. So somewhere in the process, uh, they didn't put me back in the weight room. And I had to go work for my New Testament teacher. And he began to teach me the Word of God. He taught me discipline. He taught me accountability. The next semester, I got an A in New Testament. 
Not only did I get an A in New Testament, then I led the nation in 94-95. I had 11 interceptions. Uh, at the end of that semester, he never had an opportunity to come back. But he had always told his story. He was the one not only seeing me for my athletic talent, but he reached me in terms of helping me to connect with the Spirit of God and becoming a better individual because at certain points in my life, I took for granted people. I wasn't very genuine. And I thought people should do for me because I excelled in football and I excelled in basketball that I took people for granted. Often people say I was a user, but I just used what was working for me to my advantage to get what I want. It wasn't until I got into college when I met this particular young man and he taught me how to treat people, how to be respectful, how to be gracious, how to appreciate life and live life on life terms. But because he introduced me to Christ, Life opened up in so many ways and facets for me. And like I said, I ended up leading the nation and the steps of that year. But my, where I'm headed with this is that it was like he was my guardian angel because I never had an opportunity to thank him in person for how he changed my life and taught me how to appreciate people for who they are and they're not just vehicles to be used. So... I guess the answer to your question, Rico, I know I kind of got long-winded on that. No, Is that I had do. genuine people in my life every step of the way from high school to college that genuinely believed in me and what I was able to accomplish, and they held me accountable uh, to certain degrees. But my college professor made a significant difference in my life. I mean, that's, that's huge. And I think as a young brother myself growing up, I always tell you about different mentors I have like Marvin Ray was that that one general who I will always listen to but then as I got older and wiser I knew I had to spread my wings and let other people come into my life who wants the best interest for me right. um and I, and I think that's huge and I think all young brothers should seek mentorship but let it be genuine absolutely um uh, because not all the time you seeking out that mentor is like what can you do for me uh, <laughs> so you have you have to know what's best for your situation in terms of seeking mentorship. And I, I think I've done a good job thus far that all my mentors have came genuine. Yes. And it grew over time. Right. I've, I've never seeked and asked this person. I, I just let it grow over time. Mm -hmm. So I think that's really cool, Hag, that you share that back in the 90s. Right, right. <laughs> um, I'm dating myself. <laughs> yeah, yeah. And, and going to an HBCU, how has that, how was that beneficial? For me, um, you know, I've been recruited by Illinois, Colorado, Cincinnati University, Illinois, Michigan. And one of the things that, for me, in terms of the amenities from Tennessee, all the different schools that was recruiting me when I came out of high school, there was a lot more favorite. amenities. There was a lot more things that the schools had to offer. But one of the things that I benefit greatly from is the family atmosphere about going to our historically black college. Uh, the family atmosphere, the teachers wanting to see you excel, and then there was a certain type of mentality by going to a HBCU 
that you always felt like you had to prove yourself. So it was like, I got to continuously work harder than everybody else because I want to know that great things or great people still come from historically black college. So I was always, it was almost as if I was always in search of significance. So I pushed myself harder and harder. And those are some of the qualities or the intangibles about going to a historically black college as opposed to maybe going to a Tennessee, a Vanderbilt, or Michigan, where you may have all the amenities, where you may have a child hall where you can go to from time to time. Hey, when the cafeteria closed, it is what it is. Mm -hmm. And you learn to put on ketchup or right. hot sauce or everything to right. make it taste good. But it just made you work harder when you did uh, or was afforded the opportunity to have certain luxury, you had a greater appreciation for it. But it taught me toughness. It told, taught me to never give up and to continue to work hard despite of how successful you may be. Keep working, keep working, and to always give back and to be my brother's keeper. So it was more like family, like every day uh, in Knoxville College. If one didn't have, we always shared and we always built each other up. And it was a lot of love. So Rico, I think the biggest thing is the love and the continue to work hard and the drive to be successful is one of the biggest attributes I got from going to a historically black college. I, I think that's that's really dope because coming from Gary, Indiana all the way to Knoxville, you started to see brothers who look like you. Yeah. Was was that something that made you comfortable, but obviously not comfortable because you didn't know them, but you saw someone who looked like you, and when you walk in that classroom, you see that educator, he a brother too, or sister, you like, I'm comfortable, but I'm also uncomfortable. How was that like, just seeing brothers who look like you? So, um, the biggest thing is, um, when you're coming in to an HBCU from the professors to your student body, your peers, and it's always good to have um, that familiar face that you can identify with. But one thing about an HBCU, everybody's competitive. And so although I was looking for that comfort zone, I want, the thing I realized early on is he's still competing with me. And and so for me, I'm very competitive. Uh, I don't care if it's pitching pennies. I don't care if it's uh, me working as the athletic director, uh, whether I'm playing basketball on the court. I wanted to all. I wanted everybody to know that I was the best person in everything that I I did. So although I seen that familiar face, it was always remembering that hey, he still is one that wants to be number one just as well as you are number one. So that kind of pushed me. Right. And so it was a good camaraderie ship. Although we were family, it was that good camaraderie ship. It was that genuineness of saying, hey, brother, I'm not going to let you fail from your instructor. I'm going to continue to push you. You may not like me. You may not like my method, but it's principle before personality. So I'm going to keep pushing you. Just get to the principle. Move past my, my color move past how I may say it to you, remember the principle. You're here to be successful. And so that was one of the biggest things that I enjoyed about going to an HBCU. And I think that transitions over the real world, too, in life. Yeah. A lot of people's competitive. Yeah. I'm pretty sure even to this day, a lot of people want to be in your shoes. You know, they're doing what they can. And I've learned that just playing professionally. Yeah. I mean, there's only two or three of us uh, that be on a foreign team. Right. So. Right. 
that your teammates really trying to outshine you for that that next year contract because they may only bring one of you back out of the three yeah um so i've learned that as i continue to play and and just outside the game how competitive it is because i mean when i do these interviews people i will have conversations with and i ask them how you know life's going they'll come out the next day and have something like this and we had about 30 45 minute conversation um and i'm you know have to tell me but just having that that conversation, I would think you know brothers would share, mm-hmm. you know what's going on in terms right. of media, but right. it's a competition. You know who could get the best content, right. so right. forth. Content, so yeah, yeah, numbers, and uh, like I said, Rico, it, the biggest thing is is that we never become complacent. Right. And that was one of the things at HBCU. You could never become complacent. Right. And one of the things that they stressed that was, um, and, I, and I always tell my kids this. Uh, me, um, mediocrity is the cousin of death. Yeah, I was telling them, don't settle, don't get comfortable because you don't just want to settle for a C. Make sure you're striving to get an A. No doubt, we can't get the A. What is it that we can do? Because we don't want to be mediocre, we want to be exceptional. So when we go out there, we want to put out a great product. And that was one of the things that uh, I set out to do. Uh, in terms of Bowman Academy, uh, because of so much things that was going on around the program, I wanted to be the one to rebrand Bowman so that when people see us, not only do they remember the glory days, but they're seeing the vision of what we're moving into now because Marvin was a great visionary, great visionary. And so my thing is, I didn't want Marvin Legacy to die just with what he's done. How can I continue to build upon Marvin Ray greatness? And so with that being said, I'm like, hey, let me look back in order to determine the future. I got to look back into the past. And how can I set a president that's so high that when the next person come on, I can push him to be even greater? For sure. And so that's one of the greatest things, like I said, going back to your original question was being in the HBCU, those are some of the things that I thought about. How can I continue to continue to like? How can I continue to make sure that Thea Bowman remains or perceived as being a, one of the greater institutions in Northwest Indiana? Uh, obviously, you mentioned Bowman. We obviously crossed paths when I entered Bowman. Yeah. Um, you know, I didn't give you any problems like I told you off record <laughs> back in the day. No, uh, um, but I've you always did. had a high respect for you, Hag. Um, when when was Bowman brought to your attention? Like I, I always saw you in a nice suit. And I'm like, man, who is this brother? You know, obviously just human nature. When you see someone that's kind of bigger than you, right. I was I was bigger than the students and yeah. some of the faculty. Yeah. But with you, I had to look up or at the same height. Yeah. And and obviously you was much more masculine than I was. So it's like that just human nature, that respect. And yeah. Gary, you like man, you see a brother that's bigger than you, you like just hear him out. So right, right. so when did you get the opportunity to uh, come to so Bowman? It was two thousand eight, two thousand seven. And uh, what was ironic about this, this is the crazy story. Uh, because I was actually uh, entertaining going to Crown Point High School uh, or coming to Bowman Academy. In the summer of probably 2006, uh, 2005, uh, I got acquainted with Marvin Ray. And I was coaching AAU and uh, I had some younger talent and uh, he opened up the gym for me and afforded me an opportunity to come in and uh, do some coaching. And uh, I told him, hey, 
if I can get a job over in the building, uh, I would love to come over and coach. And then I had some players that was on a younger level that was interested in coming into the Bowman Academy. And uh, at that time, I I talked with Miss uh, Sherry Jones, who was the middle school principal. Mm-hmm. And uh, Miss Jones uh, said, "Hey, I was doing some mentoring programs. I work with uh, UCAN with Darren Washington, and we had an abstinence program. And I coached Biddy basketball. And she said, "Hey, you know, I think you'll be." Uh, great as one of our ideas would you consider coming over i said well i talked to marvin and if i can get a job in the building I can, i'll come over to bone uh, my son come home one day and he said uh, dad you know todd mccain left uh but his spot uh, the dean's spot is no longer open they gave it to another man i think his name is mr adele I said, well, that sounds like Dr. Adele's husband. And, <laughs> right. Uh, so Ms. Jones called back, uh, long story short, and she said, Hag, I, I, I didn't know that she was going to give her uh, husband the dean's job, so I apologize. And uh, so I told Ms. Jones, she said, would you be willing to be a, a hall supervisor? I said, nah, you know, if something ever come up, just let me know and I'll entertain it. Well, about two days later, Dr. Adele called. And uh, was ironic about this, Rico. All my suits were in the cleanest. Didn't have a haircut. And Doc said, well, uh, you want to come in today for an interview? I said, Doc, I'm going to be honest. If I can get a suit out the cleanest and uh, I can get a haircut, I'll be in. She said, I'll be here at 6. She said, uh, I came in for an interview. So Doc said, uh, Mr. Haggard, I think you and your, my uh, husband's personality will match well. I'm gonna create another dean's position for you and I'm gonna give you the dean's position. And Marvin told me you coach basketball and you and Marvin can work out the details. And uh, from that day forward, I think I started here like a year after that. So I started here around, like I said, 2007, 2008. And uh, they promised me the job. I came in and never looked back. Uh, But also uh, what I failed to say, I went home and prayed about it. And when I didn't get the job, my wife asked, she said, why you ain't take the Crown Point job? That was a shoe in. I said, because I heard from the Lord and the Lord told me that Bowman was where my job at. And she said, well, they gave your job away. Your son just came in and said they gave your job away. And moving forward, like I said, I got a call from Dr. Adele. Dr. Adele extended me a job. She created an job, additional job position for me. And then everything took off. So I've been here 11 years now. I uh, coached about eight years in the program, and then I uh, was the dean of students for about 10, and then I've been the AD about four years now, so I never looked back, Rico. Hey, so that's that's super. Yeah, yeah, no, absolutely. I've seen you, obviously. I graduated from here, Yeah. and just to fast forward, like you, you was putting in that groundwork. Fast forward as an AD, athletic director. How's yeah. life been as an AD? Is it more responsibility than ever? You imagine? Uh, <laughs> well, I, I'll say this. Uh, I, I prior to taking over the AD's job, mm-hmm. you know, I was doing. I was actually appointed to be the assistant. So, however, I had no idea at that point what the athletic director job totally consisted of. It is a full-time job, although most people don't understand that we do more than just showing up at sporting events. 
And uh, but it's a challenge. But I love the challenge because I feel I really feel like at this time in my life, this is what God called me to do. And uh, although it, we give up, we give up a lot of time away from home, uh, away from our families. And for me, uh, I haven't given up too, so much family time because my daughters are athletes, both of my daughters. And so I still have to be at the games, but learning the business aspect of being an athletic director, hosting events, and doing some of the other things that most people don't see uh, behind the scenes, it can be very stressful at times. But the only thing for me that helps me is when I look at these young people's faces and they're smiling or they're jovial or the fans are excited or when some people, other people from other schools come in and it's till or mention to the principal how good of a job that we're doing here at Bowman Academy and they're happy about us being reinstated. You know, it makes all that hard work well worth it because for me, I understand life is more about more than just about pleasing yourself. It's about serving too. So it gives me an opportunity to give back to the young people, create experiences for these young people that they may not necessarily have because the realization of it is some of these athletes may not play after this point. Right. So my uh, goal or job for me right now is to make sure they have a great high school experience playing high school athletics. So it's been a blessing. And and you and you said the the word reinstated. Um, you know, I was obviously upset when I heard the news back yeah. then about all the teams being disqualified for postseason. Um, I know you've been working hard to continue to keep things in order yeah. and and strive to move forward. What was it like when the IHSA Commissioner Bobby Cox suspended Bowman Academy sports team for two years from tournament play and then put the school on probation? Like, obviously I wasn't here because I was college and, and playing, but going through that and you've been here for those 11 years, how, how was that for you? Uh, well, you had so much success. And, uh, you know, I always say this is the house that Marvin Ray built. When you've had so much success and been a part of that success. Uh, for me, uh, for, mul for a multitude of reasons, it was very disheartening. One, I had a child uh, that was a freshman at the time in the program who was banned from track and field, volleyball, and basketball sections. Uh, so to have to look at her face and have no control over our destiny and tell her that for two years you will not be eligible for the postseason. It was very disheartening. And then to watch uh, young people break down for the actions of someone else or the poor choices that someone else made uh, to have to go through that. And again, to feel powerless but yet have to be strong enough to console the people that's in the program and yet be uh, wise enough to speak to the people so that they don't leave the program. Uh, you have to be really strong. So it was very disheartening. I had a array of emotions because again, I felt very powerless. I felt like uh, the people who made the choices should have been held accountable as opposed to the program being hindered 
or being exempt from the postseason. So it was very disheartening uh, in that regard. As a obviously um, former alumni and and my teammates from 2010 who yeah. who put the school on the map yes. respectfully. They Definitely. they started this. Um, Nick Tyree, CB Floyd, Kevan, um, DK Floyd Hoskins. Um, Cameron Madison, Kevan Ford, um, Aaron Ishman. Yeah. The it was before me. You know those right. those guys had to sacrifice two years. Right. I came in as a freshman. They didn't get to play till sophomore year. Right. right. <laughs> <laughs> and if anybody knows about recruitment, they tried to get the four year yeah. players. Yeah. And when we won, um, they were a junior. I was a sophomore. Right. Coaches only, like I said, want the the younger ones so they can mold that four year, right? Because they already had their spots. Yeah, yeah. So that was so I can imagine. Yeah, very tough. One of the things you know, and it hurt us uh, in terms of uh, basketball uh, because at that time, uh, I think we would have had two more state championships. To be honest, I I agree. Uh, Possibly three uh, with the talent that we had come through the door. Uh, and then on the girls' side, we lost uh, a lot of athletes in terms of girls' basketball pro, uh, girls' basketball program. Um, but you know, girls' basketball is uh, we're turning the corner. Boys' basketball, I think we're right back where we need to be. I do want to say this: they did uh, afford me an opportunity uh, to go and appeal the decision, and. Uh, I met with uh, the board of directors uh, with Indiana High School Association and Bobby Cox was gracious enough um, to let us back into the Indiana High School Association. Uh, so I do want to say thank you in that regard. Again, I am very gracious to the Indiana High School Association. And although I do not make the decision to do what uh, occurred, I am very remorseful and moving forward I can say that we're going to move forward in the spirit of excellence so that no other child have to go through with those who had to suffer for that year and a half, two years. But the girls' track team has bounced back. Uh, We've been to state in the last two years, girls' track program, boys' basketball program. We're right where we need to be. And I think we're in a good space right now. Like I said, I just got a great team of people who are working with me now. I got a system of checks and balances. That's why I'm thank you at. When you're an athletic director, you need checks and balances, and you need people around you that's going to hold you accountable and make sure you're doing the right thing. So I got a good team. I got my assistant, Ms. Jermaine Mead, and I got Ms. Millsap and a host of others. So like I said, it's not just a one-man crew. I have a fine group of young people that's working with me. So I want to give them a shout-out as well. Man, there you have it. Uh, the one and only Arthur Haggard, who is, again, the AD for Bowman Academy. Pleasure, Hag, having you on the podcast. And just giving insight about who you are and, and where you came from and to where you are now has been a blessing with the grace of God. And obviously balancing everything, I, yeah. I tip my hats off to you. Oh, man. God is good, and I appreciate you, Rico, yeah. uh, for having me here. It's always a pleasure, always a pleasant conversation, being able to conversate with you or be in your presence. Like I said in the beginning, I'm just so proud of you, brother. Keep doing what you're doing. Appreciate for having me on the show. You guys, do not forget to hit subscribe and leave a review. Stay tuned for next week.